All right, next smart. Sam Darnold is no longer a New York Jet. Your thoughts? I'm shocked to see it be the Carolina Panthers. Um, as far as a Jets fan, I'm really not sure it changes too much. It locks us in, by all accounts, to BYU's Zach Wilson at number two overall. I'm just concerned that it's going to be Darnold all over again. Um, I think a guy like Darnold, I think a guy like Zach Wilson needs to go to a team like, say, the Raiders or the 49ers, a, a team in somewhat of a, of a position to compete, not a, a team like the Jets with nothing on offense, um, even if they are getting a little deeper at wideout. But yeah, it, was I a fan of BYU Zach Wilson a month ago on this podcast? Yeah, I was because I thought he was going to be a mid first round pick, late first round pick. Uh, I don't think he's a number two overall talent. I would like to see them go with either a guy like Justin Fields, uh, throw a dart and try to hit a home run with a guy like uh, North Dakota State's Trey Lance or even uh, Kyle Frisk out of uh, Florida, I think would be a, a good selection. But as far as Darnold goes, it's no more excuses time because he's out of uh, he's out of the Adam Gase uh, wrench hold. He's now playing with the most skill position talent he's ever played with as a pro in Carolina between the backfield and the receivers, reuniting with Robbie Anderson, of course. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, it's kind of win win for both parties because the Jets do end up getting what was it a second of uh, a six this year and a second and a fourth next year or whatever it is that gives us two first next year two seconds um we aren't exactly the miami dolphins when it comes to having a ton of picks but we do have a good amount of picks uh, it's just about just a matter of hitting home runs now and, and yeah we'll see what happens but just to sum it up uh, i'm not looking forward to uh, my jets taking zach wilson number two overall I am increasingly starting to feel like this draft, we're going to look back on this draft in five or 10 years. And we're going to think one team in the top three or four, depending on if Atlanta trades out, we're going to think one team made a really good pick. And we're going to think three of those other teams were absolutely insane that they went, for Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. Uh like they we're we're some of those guys are gonna be busts. I bet you three of these four quarterbacks could be busts. Um and I think the 49 I think the 49ers taking Mac Jones number three if, is gonna be it's gonna it it could look real sketchy. Yeah. yeah. Um and we're gonna see guys like you know everybody's big on Trask, but like listen i'm gonna own up to the fact that i'm not the guy who is up to date on college left tackles but i i bet you there's gonna be a left tackle that goes at number 12 that i know in five years and i'm sitting there looking at the jets going why don't you have a left tackle you had you had the second overall pick and you didn't get a left tackle you got this fucking bum uh now i say the jets it might be the niners you, you know it could be any number of guys we're looking at uh, I still think whoever ends up taking that tight end is it, this, this has bad written all over it. I can't remember the last time a tight end has been taken in the first round. 
And people have been like, that was a really good pick. And to think that, oh, well, this time's different. This this time, guys, this time we know. This time it's different. Not that we didn't say it about Vernon Davis. Not that we didn't say it about Kalen Winslow. We're saying all the same things here. But this guy's going to be an evolutionary player. Sure. And what are the odds that he's even a tight end? Like, is it really a receiver that we're looking at? You know? He's a big boy. I think he's a tight end. Um, I'm a lot higher on him than I was a couple weeks ago. I think it's likely Atlanta's going to take him fourth overall. Uh, there is some scuttlebutt. They will take Trey Lance. Uh, sounds like a, a tug of war of sense in Atlanta between the, the new GM and the new head coach, Arthur Smith. It sounds like Smith is backing Ryan and claims he has at least two years left. It sounded like the new GM wants Trey Lance. Uh, but yeah, I think if Atlanta stands pat and they decide Ryan's still the guy, then Kyle Pitts out of Florida is the pick. And I've been saying for a while on this show that I think the future of the NFL is much more tight end heavy than people are willing to admit. I think what Belichick had there with the late Hernandez and Gronkowski in their primes, I think there's a lot more of that to come in the NFL. I think uh, as much as I hate to admit it, Belichick was ahead of his time with that. And Kyle Pitts very well might be the start of that. Quick note on uh, the Bengals number five overall. You were talking left tackles. The top left tackle this year is, is uh, Sewell uh, out of Oregon, the kid that opted out and sat out. Uh, he'll be the first dancing bear left tackle off the board. It should be to Cincy at number five, but of course Joe Burrow is campaigning for his former teammate, Jamar Chase, the wideout out of LSU. Um, yeah, it would be cool to have him out there if you're Joe Burrow, but if you're on your back, it doesn't matter who's playing wide out for you. Um, you gotta, you know, you need protection first and foremost. And I, I think uh, Burrow getting thrown around and hit and hurt as much as he did year one. Uh, I think that certainly has to be the pick for Cincy. I think they got to take the O-line. Uh, Jamar Chase sat out the year, right? It's a good question. I know Sewell did uh, out of Oregon. I don't know if Chase did. I know him and Burrow played together. I know Burrow's quite high on him, um, but I, I don't, I don't think he sat out. This okay, year. I thought, I thought unless it was stuff. academics. Uh, twenty twenty stats. Yeah, let's see here. Kid's a stud. Yeah, last stats are from twenty nineteen. Okay. So I, I, I'm pretty sure he sat out the twenty twenty season. Okay. Um. I am looking at a CBS mock draft that was posted three hours ago, a full seven round mock. So whoever had to do that, God bless you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just to kind of go to your point, it does have Swell going first. It has, or pardon me, going first among tackles. Yep. It has him going eighth overall to Carolina. Okay. So that, I, I, so that's I will be shocked. Think of the last draft where a tackle, like the best tackle in the draft went eighth. It, he 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 will be going higher than eighth. Yeah, I would mark think my too. words. Yeah, everybody's if, uh, got Pitts going to every. Like I feel like every mock I read has Pitts going to Miami. Yeah, I mean that very well could you know for him to stay in state that would make a lot of sense. I'm not put it this way: if the Falcons don't take a quarterback and they stand pat, they're taking Pitts. If they don't take Pitts and they stand back, 
and they stand pat. They're taking a quarterback, likely Trey Lance. Um, as far as Miami goes, if the Bengals aren't going to take Sewell, uh, he shouldn't make it past that six pick if I'm Brian Flores and company, especially with Laramie Tunsil in Houston. Yeah. How surprised are we going to be if San Francisco goes in a different direction than Mac Jones? That's a good question. Surprised and not surprised. Uh, we'll have been fooled. Um, there's certainly some smoke screens potentially being thrown up, but someone had a good point. Uh, San Francisco has the luxury of being able to telegraph this move because they know the Jaguars and the Jets are both taking quarterbacks. And not and they interested know- in Jones, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and they know no one can leapfrog them, you know? Um, so they've pretty much been comfortable telegraphing the fact that they're going to take Mac Jones. Now, maybe it's the the biggest smokescreen ever by Kyle Shanahan, but it would kind of be a wasted venture and a waste of energy for him to do so because he's not – there's no gamesmanship to be played, right? Like, if they want Mac Jones, he's going to be there. They're, they don't have to worry about anybody jumping over them. If someone were to offer the Jets a deal they couldn't refuse, it's certainly not going to be up to go to number two to to uh, take Mac Jones. I can promise you that. Yeah. Something I've always found a little amusing is that um, there is no need at all to have the draft on one day or, or over the four days that they do it or whatever, right? Like we could, by all accounts, just start the draft now. The Jags are like, yeah, yeah, we're taking Lawrence. Like, for sure, we know we're taking Lawrence. Yeah. And then the Jets are like, yeah, well, okay, well, if, they're, if they've are if they said that, then we can say we're taking Wilson, right? They could just – everybody could start plugging this in, and we get to, like, the actual draft day, and we're already in the fourth round. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but – No. Because the TV spectacle is too great. Yeah. And you've got your – your Lael Collins, your Laramie Tunsil draft day incidents where people put on bong gas masks and, you know, no show and leave town early and then they free fall, you know, rape allegations, etc. The The Tunsil situation is just hilarious. Yeah. When you look at what Miami turned him into. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, no, it's great for Miami, but as I like to say, Houston right now has one of the best left tackles in the sport, if not the best left tackle. So they're not, you know, it, it's all good. It, win-win the way I look at it. Win-win for both well, teams. Well, the problem is I, 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 I don't think you can say win-win because you have to look at what you gave up for the guy. And the fact of the matter is you had a team last year that would have got the third overall pick this year. And Yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But when they made that trade, that's the going rate. If you want a, a, a premier dancing bear, they don't all come out of the discount that the 49ers got Trent Williams at. You know, that had more no, some no, context I, to knock his price down. I, I think that's absolutely true, Smart. But, like, if – I think if we looked at the stories at the time, most people would be like, wow, that's – I, I think the prevailing sentiment, much like the Daniel Jones move, was, oh, that's that's something. That's oh, – okay. Yeah, that's, exactly. You know? But, but we didn't know Houston was going to Bill O'Brien and end up with a third overall pick. You know what I mean? Like, I guess. I, I guess part of but part of the thinking of the people that were like, "That's that's a wild ride," is that usually that's a thing you do if you are a step away. 
if you are if you believe you are one player away right if yeah this I team's mean, really good if only we had a left tackle yeah. it's like that team wasn't really good that was a team with no defense and mm-hmm. me- middling receivers yep and they're like but if we get a left tackle and give up a bunch of picks for it mm-hmm. There's a reason Bill O'Brien doesn't have a job yeah. with the Houston Texans anymore. Yeah, I mean, we and we don't even talk about the uh, the the um, DeAndre Hopkins deal. No, exactly. I mean, it's disgusting. All right. So since we're on the topic of the Texans, we somehow managed not to speak about Deshaun Watson the last time that we spoke. Mm-hmm. Well, there was just so much to get to, and you know, yeah. it's. Not really a fun thing to talk it is, about. It is an extremely unfun thing to talk about. But it's definitely taken another level now. I mean, it's sounding like you might not even play football this year. I Legally. I, I have a hard time imagining a world where the NFL... I, well, actually, I don't have that hard a time because I look at Antonio Brown and, and say that the NFL is actually oh. not going to take these things that seriously. Um. He's having a hard time finding work right now, honestly. Other than Tampa trying to nickel and dime him, it doesn't sound like it's been a fruitful free agent experience for one Antonio Brown. Well, I imagine he probably wants a bunch of guaranteed money, and every well, team's like, well, I've seen that movie, so no. Yeah. It sounds like he wants market value. It sounds like he wants what Deshaun Jackson just got in St. Louis because they're similar age, similar mileage. Um, It sounds like... Tampa's not willing to give him that amount, and it sounds like he doesn't have any other offers elsewhere to leverage. Tampa probably doesn't have it. Well, yeah, I mean, with everybody they've brought back, yeah, with everybody they've brought back, I mean, it's been an amazing job. There's, they can't have much money in the coffers left. Yeah, and I bet you, Tom is like, dude, just do what I do and take less and play for a ring. (laughs) And, And he's like, no, I got my ring now. Who cares? And the pink elephant in the room in Tampa, and I'm sure Bruce Arians will be the first one to tell you, is the non-Tampa Bay Lightning Tyler Johnson in the Tampa sports scene, uh, number 18 for the Bucs, is just waiting for a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. And let's let's be clear, all, all Antonio Brown doing in Tampa is is, you know, furthering, delaying that development. Yeah. So Watson... Is Let, it's starting to get pretty bad. I mean, you know, Houston PD is now involved. Uh, the women are coming out. The, the Houston up, PD it's in the twenties. Houston PD had to get. You can't have twenty accusers and then say we're not opening an investigation, right? Like they were going well, to have to think, be involved. I think what forced their hand was one of them came out and and dropped the whole Jane Doe act and said, "My name is so and so." This is what Deshaun did. And then I think once another one came out, I think, yeah, that was a that was toothpaste they couldn't exactly put back in the tube. Well, Rusty Harden, his his attorney, uh Rusty Harden, by the way, of uh Roger Clemens yeah. fame. And did he do Barry Bonds too? I know Rusty Harden from another case as well. Yeah. It's uh no, I know, I do too. He might have defended Michael Jackson one of the times. I know it was Mesro, one of them. Um, yeah, ExxonMobil, of course. Uh, Scotty Pimpin, Houston area politicians. 
Steve Francis, Calvin Murphy. It's funny they don't. How, how does this not even mention? You must be Houston based if it's Steve Francis, yeah. Yeah. Another former client is Clemens. Yeah. Michael Bennett of the. Oh, Adrian Peterson child abuse case. Mm. Um, Good old switch. Give him the switch. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, like an an unbelievable uh, piece of work, this guy is. Un- yeah. And, and now he's untradeable, right? Like, yeah. He came out and said, I'm not going to play for you guys. And then all this stuff comes out. And now he's probably wishing he never said that because if he doesn't play for them. He's not going to be playing football because no team in 2021 with these kind of negative optics can make that kind of move and survive to live another PR day, right? I mean, it's it doesn't matter if he was the best quarterback in football, right? Like, you know, we all, some of us think he's top five. Some of us think he's low in that and is only probably top 10. But even if he was you know, the LeBron James in the NFL with these kind of allegations hanging around your neck. I mean, it just, especially crimes against women. I mean, any team that would possibly trade for him would have to deal with boycotts and pussy hat marches. And I mean, it's not something a team's going to sign up for willingly. Over under 0.5% how related is all of this coming out to Deshaun Watson's trade demands? Because I'm taking the over. I'm not. So you you think it's a hundred percent a smear job? No, that's why I'm saying over zero point five. I I what I'm saying is I do not believe it's a bit of a double negative. I believe they are related. I don't it's know. Like- that they are directly related. Yeah. Right? I don't know that they are 100% related, that if this, then yeah. that. This thing could have been a giant figurative Jenga tower, and it could have been just the McNair family to pull that one piece at the bottom that started the slippery Some, slope. Right? Somebody says to one of the McNair children at a party, oh, well, I heard Deshaun goes to, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't um, get Deshaun around a masseuse. Right. Just and a little like, offhanded what? like party joke. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, wait, wait, what? Yeah, sorry, what? Yeah. Um, Not to mention, you know, rich kid trying to impress daddy or, you know, daddy's whoever controls daddy's will, right? Is it? They're always looking for, you know, ammunition to, to go to the family and say, hey, look what I know. Is it beyond the realm of possibility that this has been a thing that has been known about inside the Houston organization and they have done a very good job of finding ways to keep quiet. And then once Deshaun started pulling this shit, they decided they no longer need to keep that quiet. I can't speak to that, but I can speak to the fact that if this was going on and this was known about and it was kept quiet, I mean, you know, There's we're no... not we're not dealing with young boys here, but it might as well be a Joe Paterno situation. Sure, but I think there's no way that Houston didn't have their hands in it if it was kept quiet. The timing is too, you know, the timing is too convenient. Yeah, for the McNairs. Um, 
you know, if it smells, it stinks. Yeah. And here it smells and it stinks, right? I, and I want I, I just want to be real clear here in, in case there's anybody like yelling into their, their uh, speaker or headphones. I am not saying the women are making this up. Like both can be true. All of these incidents could have happened. And I dare I say with 20 accusations, they did happen. I Allegedly, but they, you know, they allegedly did happen. Couple might be lying, but to get twenty, uh, it's a yeah, um, it's hard to get twenty people to conspire on one thing, right? I mean, yeah. The only the only thing they have to be like mildly, mildly, mildly concerned about is that like uh, this request to unveil the twenty people comes through, and all of a sudden you actually only have one or two at the end, and it's like, okay, wait, were eighteen of them made up? And it is more believable that one or two people might make something up. Mm-hmm. Um, barring that circumstance. I I am willing to accept as truth that these are things that happened. But it can also be true that they were not going to come out if Deshaun Watson did not pull the shit that he pulled. I wish we had we could I wish we could know the answer to that. We yeah. won't, but I I'd well, be maybe curious when to we're know. dead. I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the the timing is very coincidental. Um, I just hope that if it was going on, it wasn't being covered up. I think it's disgusting behavior. I think anybody that goes to school who devotes time and really their life to learn a profession, to practice it, and then they have to put up with that kind of disgusting behavior. I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I don't have much time for it. I've lost a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson, needless to say. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take it from a slightly different angle. Um, if you're a grown-ass man who's a professional athlete, a millionaire. Yeah, I don't get it. A quarterback yeah, it, of your local sports yeah, team. exactly. Like a white guy who can't get laid, all right, okay. But him, I mean, like, come on, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's like these guys we talk about, they drink and drive when they can... Hire a chauffeur for the night, right? Fucking unrelated. Tiger Woods going 80 miles an hour yep. into that tree. Yep. I, I, that was the first thing I said on this podcast. He was speeding. He was speeding. He was I, driving too fast. He was late. He was he was late for a seven thirty tee off. Uh, he had a he had a photo shoot and he was speeding. Right. Why and don't you have a driver? Are... If you're if you have Tiger exactly. Woods money, why exactly. don't you have a driver? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, I I so going back to the Deshaun thing, I, I have a hard time seeing how they get this cleaned up by September. And really August to, to let him play, um, which puts Houston in an even bigger pickle. And I'll tell you this, if it was related, if Houston, uh, if, if that organization either consciously or subconsciously made moves to put this stuff out in the open and, and, you know, kill Deshaun, um, all they did was cost themselves yeah. high draft capital. You like have heavy no value capital. now. This yeah. guy has no value. Yeah. That would really have to be a, a, a very personal vendetta to knowingly torpedo all the trade value that your biggest asset would provide yep. just so you can spoil and ruin them. A team that's not exactly swimming in first-round picks already. No, exactly. I mean, exactly. Back Circling back to why Bill O'Brien was relieved of his duties in the first place. Unbelievable. Um, 
this draft has Justin Fields slipping to number seven. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Makes zero sense. Uh, I was talking about Atlanta taking Trey Lance. Justin Fields was a Georgia Bulldog before he had to transfer to Ohio State. Um, I think Justin Fields, I want to say he's from the state of Georgia as well. So I, I think it's a marriage made in heaven. I think my Jets should take him number two. But if the Jets aren't going to take him and the 49ers aren't going to take him, I think the Falcons sure as hell take him. Um, but for him to, you say number nine to Denver? I mean, that's insanity. Seven. Seven to Denver. Oh, seven to Detroit. Trade with Detroit is what they're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, whether he lands in Detroit or Denver certainly make a lot of sense. But for him to fall out of the top five, I think, would be an injustice. Like, uh, we know the Bengals aren't taking him. But, I, I mean... For Atlanta, San Francisco, and New York to pass on them. I think it's a bit much. Do you believe that his drop has to do with performance at Pro Day and interviews and things like that or performance in the postseason? I think it's just a load of class. Yeah. I think if it was two years ago or, or whatever it was, you know, that one year we had a real weak class, I think he'd be the top quarterback going. He'd probably be going number one overall to Jacksonville, right? He just happened. Sometimes you get on the bad luck of history, and he just happened to be in the same draft class as a guy named Trevor Lawrence, right? So I, I think it's just a, a we're just a bit QB top heavy this year. I think that's as simple as it is. Any other year, his his stock would be naturally inflated, right? Right. Quarterbacks uh, cream rises to the top. So yeah, no, I just think it's uh, just the way the cookie crumbled for him, right? Here's a question. To what extent do you think uh, what many would say is the best quarterback coming out of last year's draft, Justin Herbert, being the sixth overall pick, is influencing these first four picks going quarterback? So you're asking me if I think people are looking back on that and saying we got to get our Herbert early this year? I, yeah, so like, let me put it another way. So if if you Herbert should have gone higher last year, we yeah. all know that now. No, 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 I, I, I for sure. But if you're um, Jacksonville, let's say, right, mm. and you look at last year's draft, you sat at ninth. You ended up with a decent enough quarterback in C.J. Henderson, um, but you're like, wait, I could have traded to three with Detroit, given up an extra first round pick, and got Herbert instead of letting him slide to six, right? If you're Carolina and you picked seventh, you're like, why didn't I just give up more tra more draft capital and trade with the Giants at four yeah. and get my guy, uh -huh. right? Uh, shit, the Jets at 11. Same, you know, kind of the same story. Mm -hmm. Do you think other teams are looking at that draft from last year and saying, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I would think San Francisco fucking did. Yep. Right? I think uh, John Elway and Vic Pangio are strategizing in real time on how to make that jump from nine. Yeah. I think uh, they're a dark horse to end up with one of the, the guys that, that don't go in the top couple picks, whether it be Trask out of Florida, Lance out of North Dakota State, or uh, maybe Fields out of Ohio State. If you're the Detroit Lions at seven, do you consider taking whoever's left? Yeah, and they will. I the, the the narrative from Jump Street has been that Jared Goff is there to be a bridge. Right. 
Now, if he plays phenomenal, great, right? He can play at his age. He can still play himself into being a franchise quarterback for a, a QB needy team like the Lions. But I think the plan is to take who's left. Yeah, I think uh, I think they know what I've said earlier that the Bengals are either taking a wide out or a tackle. And I think that they know it's either going to be Fields, Lance, or Trask there, or two out of the three. And they're going to have their pick. I think if Justin Fields is there, I, I think that's a no-brainer. I think uh, teams likely that could move up would be Detroit at seven, Denver at nine. Now, Carolina at eight, having just traded for the aforementioned Sam Darnold, uh, they've been firm in saying that does not exclude them from taking a quarterback. So stranger things have happened, but don't be surprised if Carolina nabs one of these guys at eight. Well, because Darnold's basically on his extension, right? On the one year. Yeah, he's on his fifth year option, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Thank and, you, uh, option. Yeah, so he, it's kind of like Teddy Bridgewater all over again, you know? We're bringing you in. We're giving you the keys to the car. We're giving at least, you know, we're guaranteeing you at least the majority of one season. See what you can do with it. Yeah. You play well, the job's yours. You don't, <laughs> we're going to find a new guy. Not a lot of tools there for him, though. In Carolina? Yeah. McCaffrey, obviously, but... Yeah, and I like DJ Moore wide out. They lost Curtis Samuel to Washington, but they've got Robbie Anderson. Um, they're going to keep adding. Uh, they've got some plans at tight end. They've got a decent O-line. It's a better offense than Darnold had in, in New Jersey, right? So, yeah, and here's I... what it is. Like we keep saying about, uh, what's his face, the old Baylor guy, their new head coach, Rule. Um, give him time with that defense. You know, in year one, he did a lot and give, I think we both get the sense that Carolina is a program in the right direction under I, Matt Rule. I like Matt Rule a lot. I, I did not love the personnel on defense. No, no, but we, we all knew it was yeah. going to be a process, right? Like, uh, if he doesn't have that defense, you know, going strong this time, a year from now, this time, two years from now, then it's definitely his fault. But for now, he gets slapped. I I think we need to really consider that being a possibility because part of what I saw out of Carolina last year was that he loves to just drop into zone. Um, and that's all well and good, but like, I, I'm not sure how well that plays in the NFL because you're dealing with a lot of quarterbacks that are a lot more accurate than the guys in college. Uh, if you want to really have an elite defense in the NFL, you need to be able to play man. Um, yep. You need to be able to hunt the quarterback, and luckily they've got a guy named Brian Burns. Yep. Yeah, luckily they've got a guy named Brian Burns that's pretty adept yeah, at that. Yeah, play, play man, play zone, who fucking cares if you can get to the quarterback, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. There's a reason these guys get paid the big bucks. Uh, One more stupid what if about the draft. If Cincinnati takes Pitts... Mm -hmm. Miami's got to trade out a six, right? What, assuming that a QB needy team is going to offer them anything, a treasure trove for the? I mean, I don't know. That's you get a treasure trove, but it's like, I is it worth? Yeah, Miami's going to be looking to trade down. Unless you're taking a tackle, unless they decide, you know what, we'll take we'll take Sewell. Yeah, if he's there, like I said, I think he's the natural Tunsil replacement. 
Um, especially with the guy they took at USC last year, I think Austin Jackson having a very up and down rookie year. Um, yeah, I, I think Miami and Brian Flores with as many picks as they already have. Look, I mean, they pick again at 18, right? So I think they would be more than happy to jump um, at a six, whereas, you know, they still believe two is the guy and they're not looking for one of this year's top quarterbacks. Right. Okay, so, but if it, let's I, say Atlanta I, goes Pitts and then Cincinnati takes the Cincinnati's, tackle. Yeah, Cincinnati is either going Chase or Soul. It's one of the two. Yeah. So if they take if they take Soul and let's say Atlanta doesn't take a quarterback, they go they they just take Pitts. They're like, we think between Julio Jones and Pitts, you're not going to be able to stop us with Matt yeah. Ryan. That's yeah, that's the double down if they take Pitts. Um, Calvin Ridley, you, and and Calvin Ridley, of course. If you're if you've got the number six Pitts, Pitts is number six pick, and Trey Lance is still sitting there, and Justin Fields is still sitting there. You you can't just take Chase, right? Like you're not you, you don't just take a wide receiver there. You got to trade out and get value for for that spot. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah they're going to be looking to trade out. Trust me. Okay. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, if that's if that scenario comes to fruition that you just stated, then Detroit at seven, eight at Carolina, uh, Denver at nine are all panicking trying to jump over each other to get their guy. Uh, Eagles at 12? Do they trade back to their original pick? Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Of course, the narrative has been that... Well, there's kind of been two narratives. Initially, it was that, okay, this is Jalen Hurts' team, and we're going to go around him. But now it's kind of like the word out of Carolina, like, oh, well, we haven't pegged ourselves in any one direction, and we could still draft a quarterback and blah, 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 blah. My guess is that it's going to be the Jalen Hurts show and they will not be selecting quarterback no matter where they pick. And and the dark horse that depending on where you're listening to, people will either tell you this is absolutely going to happen or they will tell you this will never, ever happen. New England Patriots. Mm. I, they never trade up. No, don't be shocked. If, if Kyle Trask out of Florida is there, don't be shocked. Bill Belichick likes his Florida Gators. Don't be shocked if he takes Trask. Well, I I mean, aside from Trask, if he's if he's got options there with Fields and and Lance. Oh yeah, if Fields if Fields is there at fifteen. No, no, but I'm I'm saying Fox, trading bro. up to six. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I, they want to give someone in the division the draft capital. Yeah. But what might happen is somebody gets taken at sixth. And then the Lions at seven are like, actually, we're good with Goff. We don't like this last guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Real right. possibility. Yeah. That would be uh, the story of the night. That would steal. That would eat up all yeah. the air. It, it would be like the Green Bay pick last year, right? Where it was like, yeah. you, you get to the end of the night and, and we're there like. It's all people are talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Eat up all the oxygen. Uh yeah, that would steal the show, absolutely, if Belichick moved up to take a quarterback, especially a guy like Fields. People just go ballistic. Uh, like, doth my eyes deceive me, is Kevin Holland the main event of this UFC fight night yeah. this weekend? Darren Till broke his collarbone last week and uh, had to f- 
had to withdraw, which sucks because he's had some really bad uh, injury history lately. Of course, you remember he tore his ACL uh, in his last fight. He was making his way back from that. But yeah. Am um, I remembering incorrectly or did we not just witness Derek Holland make a fucking fool of yeah. himself on national television? Yeah, and they're putting and, him on ABC. Yeah. I think this, first of all, he's saving the show. So Dane, th- this is, Dane is happy with this. I think this is Kevin Holland being very self-aware and knowing that he's got to get back on Dane's good graces. And so he was the first one to put his hand up and say, Hey, I volunteer, put me, I'll save the show. Um, so I think, it, I think it when everybody wins. Um, I think Dana wins because the show gets saved. I think Kevin Holland wins because he gets to go back out there, right some wrongs, you know, um, get everybody fresh thinking about other things other than that mental meltdown. And I think as much as Marvin Vittori is a bit irked that it's not going to be there until I think Marvin Vittori is still happy that a guy of Kevin Holland's uh, name recognition is going to step in and, and they're still going to fight. Here's the thing about Marvin Vittori. He's getting a big push from the company right now. He's getting a big push from guys like Chael Sonnen right now. And this guy's smart. He knows he's getting the push. He was going out attacking Adesanya in the press today saying, I think he's overrated. A lot of people think that when Adesanya and Vittori fought, that Vittori won. So there's a lot of people that are eager to have that run back. I wouldn't be surprised if once Vittori takes care of business versus Holland, if they end up making that fight. And the last thing I want to say about Marvin Vittori, they've nicknamed him lately Angren, Angry Marvin Vittori, and I think it's a, a very fitting name. And the reason this guy's so angry I read something like seven out of his last 11 fights have been canceled and all seven times it's been the opponent and not him withdrawn. So the guy has a, has a reason to be a bit pissed off. Um, and I'm all for it. Uh, I like him a lot and uh, I, I hope good things happen to him. I'll be rooting for him against Kevin Holm. Uh not many Italians in the UFC, so I mean, he must be huge back home. You got to think, right? Those, yeah. <laughs> at risk of upsetting anyone, I, I would say those are a fighting people. And, yep, yeah, they uh, are. You know, yeah. uh, shout out to Sicily. Uh, I'm looking at this Mackenzie Dern fight, and her opponent Nina Ansaroff, okay, has not fought since June 8th of 2019. So almost two years uh, in a decision. And their last win was six or seven months before that at UFC 231 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, Sweet. I never know what to make of these kind of fighters because I'm like, all right, well, you are rested. It's it's been two years, so you are yeah. fully rested. Exactly right. I mean, Leon Edwards had like a two year layoff, and boy, did he look good early against Blah Muhammad. So, yeah, it's uh, some guys suffer from ring rust, some guys don't. Uh, in Francis Naganu's case, uh, boy, you know he had a lot of time to work on his wrestling defense, and boy, did it pay off against Stipe. Um, so yeah, you have to like that they're not taking the damage that was one thing that wasn't made that probably should have been made a bigger deal about the Stipe Nagano rematch was 
since the first time they fought, Nagano had absorbed 30 punches. Stipe had absorbed 300, you know, via his trilogy with DC, etc. Yeah. So there is something to be said about um, not getting punched in the face. Uh, but there also is a flip side to it, right? Like, if you don't do something, you're not likely to get better at it, right? Yes. So by not by not fighting, you're yeah. I mean, you can practice, you can simulate, you can drill all you want, but by not fighting when you know under the lights, under the pressure, in some ways, you're not going to get better at it. And does it help your jaw? Right, like. Yeah, well, that, that's the other thing too. Is as Chael Sonnen would say, every fight you go and you leave a piece of yourself in there, you you know, you get worse with the mileage. You don't get better. Yeah, I I think that, but I also do wonder, just like getting punched in the face. Uh, you know, if you haven't been punched in the face in a long time, it's yeah. a little jarring when it happens. Yep. I think absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the jaw's a weird thing, right? You, you do need it conditioned, but then once, like, I'll never too forget. much conditioning. Exactly. And, like, I'll never forget. Some of my earliest UFC memories are, are just seeing Chuck Liddell get knocked out, knocked out, knocked out. Because once his, yeah, he went from having an undestructible jaw to no jaw, yeah. like, almost overnight. Yeah. And so once it goes, it's, as Dana White would say, no, it's not pretty. Um, if I remember his nickname right, Smiling Sam Alvey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect him to come up tonight. I'm a fan of this guy. Um, this could be his last fight. He needs a win real bad. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, he's uh the definition of a journeyman gatekeeper. Um, fan favorite. They call him Smiling Sam for a reason. Uh, if you ever seen him at a weigh in, he literally does not stop smiling. Guy always has a smile on his face. Uh. Just very infectious. Uh, I think he's great. I'll I'll be rooting. I I don't know who he's fighting, but I will certainly be rooting for him because I know that he's at the stage now where if it's a loss, it's probably times up in the UFC. Yeah, he has lost four of his last five, and the one which was not a loss was a draw. Yeah, in yeah, Abu and it was Dabe in October. Yeah, yeah, and some of those losses were the reason Dana's kind of kept it going with this guy is because uh. A couple of those losses were incredibly quick stoppages uh, that Dana himself didn't even agree with. Right. Uh, does seem to make it through the fight a lot. I will say that. Sam Alvey? Yeah, three of his. Oh, last, man. All of his so, last three yeah. fights went all three yeah. rounds. Oh, man. Yeah, he always goes the distance. I mean, he never gets, like, incredibly hard to knock down. Tough-ass motherfucking guy. And like I said, he's got all these cool, badass attributes, and yet he doesn't stop smiling. Like, he looks like the nicest guy in the world. It's pretty cool. Uh, you will hear when he is introduced, they will tell you that he has won no contest. That no contest fight stopped due to rainfall. <laughs> so, Interesting. Really? Yeah, I thought that, I, I thought that, that was pretty must funny. have been an outdoor ring, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Nina Nunez? Any relation? I think that's uh, Amanda's wife. Yeah, that's what I thought. In fact, 
I think her wife is that Nina Ansaroff. That's what I'm Yeah, it's yes, listed yeah, as Nina Ansaroff, yeah, 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 and then yeah, it's... Yeah. It, okay, yeah. yeah. And you know why she hasn't fought? It's because she was pregnant. Because she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, she had a kid. They just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is her return fight. Yeah, that it's all coming together now. Yeah, She's yeah. actually favored in that fight. That's funny. On the yep. on the Google, like if you just look it up on Google, it still lists her as Nina Ansaroff, but Wikipedia's yep. got as Nina Nunes. No, exactly, right? Yeah. No, uh, it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, she's married to the baddest woman fighter on in the face of the earth right yep. i mean she's got some pretty good co you know she's, she 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 sleeps in the same bed with you know the person who could give her all the best advice so i i think she's got some good things going for her she is she is favored by the betting sites over Mackenzie dern so interesting uh yeah and dern's uh dern's, dern's a, a big name dern's a legitimate fighter yep yep absolutely um do you Mackenzie think dern Yes. I'm finally putting a face back to that name. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, she's beautiful. <laughs> uh, there is a bit of that. Um, oh, my God. Look at all the, the medals. Just World Jiu-Jitsu Championship. Extraordinaire, Mackenzie Dern. Um, I guess that's that's more or less it on the UFC here, unless there's something else you want to cover. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, the Rod Whitaker fight uh, this weekend against Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam, of course, taking that on so much short notice. Not total short notice. He's known for a while now. Uh, but eager to see what happens there. Uh, like I said about Robert Whitaker early, earlier, um, it seems to me that there's one guy he can't beat, and he can beat everybody else. And the why one guy he can't beat is the champ of the world. So it's a very interesting spot uh it's not something that i would uh envy being dana white over because you know if whitaker wins this fight i just other than running it back without asanya i literally don't know what you do with him yeah he's he becomes a gatekeeper yeah but i don't know he's just when guys are that elite yeah like when guys are that elite still in their prime and like there's one guy in the world that's better than them. Like I said, you know, sometimes sports history, it's just bad luck, right? Like think about all the guys that played in the AFC East for the past 15 years mm-hmm. while Tom Brady dominated, right? Like just sometimes you happen to be around at the wrong time when the, when the, a guy similar weight, similar age is around that's better than you. In this case with Bobby Knuckles, it's is he Adesanya. Interesting rivalry considering Adesanya is New Zealand and, and Whitaker is Australia. Um, I can only imagine down in the Pacific, the media that must be related to those two, especially if they fight again. Um, general question. So this week we have 14 fights planned, if I'm doing my math correctly. The prelims start at 1 o'clock and currently, according to Google at least, uh, feature for eight fights and then one on the early prelims if you've got the ufc thing so my question here then is how many what what do you think the over under is on the fights we actually see because i'm starting to feel like we get promised 15 fights and then fight day comes and it's 11 yeah i mean that's probably uh a mechanism dana white's employed for that very reason yeah Especially with the COVID ramping back up, I know in New Brunswick it's been bad the past couple of days. There was a thirty-year-old who passed away yesterday. Shit. Of, of the new uh, 
I don't know if it was the UK variant or the Brazil variant. Either way, it doesn't matter. We've got um, more than a few going around right now. Well, exactly, right? Um, but yeah, I misspoke. That Whitaker fight is two weeks from now. Yep. Uh, this weekend, it's, of course, Vittori Holland. Um, as far as your over-under, you know, I hope we see as many fights as, as we can. I'm always bummed when ones are, are, are scratched to the last minute. Yeah. I like when they keep the match intact. I like when they just bump it down a couple weeks. I don't like when they scrap it and they start pairing when the pairing goes away. I, I like once you hear about a pairing, I like for them to keep that. I like for that bill, business to get settled. So, you know, if there are fights that are canceled, I hope they just keep the pairing, bump it down a couple weeks rather than have this guy go that direction and have this guy go the other direction. Okay. Because then you're always left with what ifs at the end of these guys' careers, right? Uh, one quick little last note about this uh, Vittori Holland card. I see the Nigerian national Sodik Youssef is back in action, and he's the co-main event against Arnold Allen. Um, this Youssef guy was on quite a tear pre-COVID and post-COVID. I, I'm not even sure he's fought a single time. So uh, definitely a guy that's looking to get back on... Uh, the career trajectory that he was previously on. I'll be rooting for him. And I see Mike Perry's fighting. So yeah, that's is, always of note. He is currently favored. Yeah. Find a guy named Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, so, yeah. When Mike Perry's out there, you never know what's going to happen. I think last time he was trying to raffle off his last corner man spot. <laughs> you know, something that only a guy like Mike Perry would do. Just right? like, you know. I think... He either made a ton of money or Dana stepped in and was like, no, 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 we can't do this. That, yeah. Um, I'm almost willing to guess the latter, not the It form. looks like he might have a tattoo of a signature above his eye. He does, yeah. I think it says crazy or it's what his nickname, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, I will never be a face tattoo guy. That is how I know I'm old because all the young rappers and shit come out with and they've all got face tattoos. And I'm like, yep. oh, okay, I'm out of touch. I'm... I'm not with it anymore because this is a thing that people do yeah. now, apparently. I mean, guys like Justin Bieber have them now. Uh, I noticed Tommy Lee was showing off a new one last week. So age groups all over the place getting them. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, Tommy really. Lee's still trying to stay relevant, and I'm not. Yeah. No. <laughs> all right. Uh, I wouldn't get a tattoo on a part of my body that I could hide the rest of my life and never show, let alone my face. I right, I mean, like it just, uh, but you know, different strokes are different folks, right? Yeah. I uh, mean, we've all seen how Mike Perry handles things in his personal life with race relations and alcohol. So uh, I'm not sure we're dealing with you know a sound mind here. Yeah, not not a great dude. So let's talk about some stuff that we uh, missed out on uh, from earlier. Let's see here. Um, this is just not punts or punches related, but I was listening to the post game after the Blue Jays, uh, won the first series against your New York Yankees and these delusional motherfuckers (laughs) that are the call-in show. No, the, the, uh, Jamie Campbell and Joe Siddle or whoever's in there with them. 
Yeah, Siddle used to be on the radio, and then the Greg Zahn thing happened, and he got promoted to TV. Yeah, uh, and good for him because they completely axed the radio broadcast now, and it's just a, yeah, which is yeah, don't I, yeah, you know what? Yeah, poor poor fuck. Mike Wellner, poor all of them, I, Jerry Howard. Fuck you, Sportsnet. Yeah. Like a, it makes no sense. You know. Yeah, you can't listen to a radio broadcast of a TV audio track because then all context is lost. Like, there's a reason they do a radio broadcast because it's more descriptive they paint more pictures with their words if you just listen to the audio of a tv broadcast on the radio you're getting 50 percent of of the game i so and i would argue what's actually happened is the opposite that they have the broadcast on television has become more like a radio broadcast but now the beauty of a television broadcast is taken away because a lot of the nice thing about television is that you could just have long silent moments yep. you don't need to talk through every single right yep. it's like all right and it's zero and one and they've got you know the camera kind of bounces around and shows people in the stands or whatever but you don't have yep. to say like oh it looks like that guy's uh, eating some popcorn that he enjoys yeah. right um every I, I know we've talked about this before there is no other team that i know of at least that is owned by a mega corp like Rogers that 90% of the value that they find in owning it is that they get to do all of the broadcasts, but to then go and do cost cutting on those broadcasts Mm. that already the team gets fleeced out of revenue because if they just put up the rights for those broadcasts, they would generate so much revenue. Like an insane amount of revenue. If you had to have Sportsnet and TSN and CBC uh, all betting. Like they did for Hockey Night in Canada, yeah. Yeah. You remember how much money? Oh, man. Just the theme song. Yeah. Just the rights to the song alone, the family cleaned up. So the Jays don't do that. They have it all in house. They never, they never actually get that money. So not only does the team not get that money, but then they turn turn around and cheap out and don't even give us radio broadcasters. Is there any other team in the league that has no radio broadcasters? They're blaming it on COVID and saying that you know they just couldn't pull off the travel and how like the TV is just based in Toronto, et cetera. And that's and that's fine. But does that mean we're getting radio back next year? No, exactly. Because I don't think that's going to happen. No, exactly. That's what people keep saying, and I think we all know the answer. Once the tube is taken out of the, once the toothpaste is taken out of the tube with cost cutting like this, it it very seldom you see revert back. Yeah. Once once they see they can live without and they have the the money saved, you know, there's no reinvestment. Um. Yeah, but it just sucks for the career radio guys, right? The Mike Wellners, the Jerry Howers. Uh, so you were saying it was it was bad shit because they well, were all they, acting like Toronto was going to win it, the World Series. Like they were like, you know, everybody talks about playing the going to win this division, but I think we've shown. <laughs> I think it's proven now. They want a rubber match. <laughs> like what? <laughs> they didn't even sweep the series. No. They won two one, and yeah, it went and to the rubber been, match. It's only been with three starters, right? Like it's, we haven't even seen our fifths line up against each other yet. Because I'll tell you what, when Toronto runs out its third starter against um, the Judge, it's I think it's going to be a bad time. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> just delusional shit. I can handle. I don't like. I kind of hate, but I can handle 
the fact that every team kind of has their own broadcasters and they're all cheerleaders. I, I get that. But that was just borderline like psychotic what was happening on that broadcast. Um, and of course, since then, I think the Jays lost the series to Texas um, and, and look a lot more human. Too, uh, and by the way, a Texas team that has basically zero aspirations to compete this year. That's correct. Uh, I will note, I thought Steven Matz looked really good. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good story, right? Yeah. It's not that the Mets didn't want to keep him around. It's yep. just, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of... And pitchers, funny how, funny how uh, it's Taewon Walker who actually repra- replaces Matz in that Mets rotation. I know. They should have just did the one-for-one swap. Yeah, it would have worked out that way. Um, Speaking of pitchers that you like to see having a nice bounce back, Aaron Sanchez had a nice start for San Francisco the other day. Yep. Uh, Uh, Complete opposite of this, but I see that Matt Harvey delayed being DFA'd for another week. Uh, He's now a member of the Orioles rotation, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, A rotation that... Uh, King, future Hall of Famer King Felix was vying to be a part of, but uh, he just demanded his release the other day once he realized he wasn't going to be the fifth star. Still, I, though, I I didn't know. You know, I was a bit behind on my baseball depth charts this year going into the season, and I didn't know that Matt Harvey and King Felix were duking it out for that fifth spot in the Orioles rotation. Pretty cool. Yeah, Matt. I I mean, King Felix is done. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's sad. Exactly. It's sad, yeah. Yeah. but he's done. Yeah. Going to the Hall of Fame, but he's done. Yeah, absolutely going to the Hall of Fame. And and the first example of my life that I can think of, at least, um, where somebody won the Cy Young based on advanced metrics, right? That, like... Mm-hmm. I think the year, the first year he won the Cy Young, it was like. Yeah, he didn't win a ton of games. He, yeah, he had like 13 wins or some shit. Yeah. He and, was pitching for a shitty ball. ball and he was right? pitching for a horrific ball club, right? And everybody. In a, in a cozy ballpark. Yes. And everybody else, everybody finally kind of got their heads together and were like, actually, you don't need to win 20 games to be the Cy Young winner. Mm-hmm. This guy was clearly the best pitcher. And it's. In, in a weird way, I almost wish we could put the toothpaste back in the tube on that one because it seems like that's all we see now. It's it's very rarely a very good pitcher on a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, anything else we missed here? Oh, my God. We didn't talk well, about the final four. Yeah, well, just a quick note before you uh, go to that. Um just about what you said with Cy Young winners, it, it just made me think about the fact that uh, one thing that didn't get talked about near enough this offseason was that we have a Dodgers team that just won a World Series and they just added a Cy Young winner in free agency in Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, very rare that you see that. A team winning a World Series and then bringing in a, a reigning Cy Young winner. In, you know, in, in the heat of his prime. Um, yeah. Good times all the way for Dodgers fans. Uh, I, before we get off baseball, Shohei Otani mm. um, looked real good pitching the yeah. other day, I thought. 
Sound of that dinger was, uh, that was a very pleasant sound. I think that was an ESPN thing. They had a weird oh, okay. mic situation happening. A lot yeah. of the crack of the bat sounded like that that yeah. day. I'll tell you, I don't know who was pitching that night. I think it was, they were playing the White Sox. It might have been Carlos Rodon. I don't know who it was for the White Sox, but they left that fastball way up and hanging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wild that Joe Madden had him in there uh, when he was pitching. Yeah. I don't think I, it, I'm nice. facing an American League team. They basically had to play it like a National League game because if you don't if you have your pitcher hit then you have to have your pitcher hit for the whole game you can't like make it a dh midway through yeah his arm's not gonna hold up i i think it's gonna be a couple more years and then he'll just be a full-time bat yeah it's i hope i'm wrong i hope the guy's an electrifying two-way talent i love watching him pitch but i just i mean you know when when's you know Assuming he doesn't get a major injury this year, that'd be awesome. But if it's another shoulder thing or he needs Tommy John, I mean, it's just, it's going to get to a point. And like the Angels thing is cool to talk about. And Arnie Marino is a real try-hard owner and he wants to win. But let's be frank, they're going to suck again this year. I think they will. It would be nice if they didn't. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, you know, Arnie Marino tries every offseason to upgrade that team, man. They try. They spend money. They yeah. want to win. They just they they can't catch breaks with their draft picks. Their free agents get hurt. They can't keep their, their stars healthy other than Trout. And, yeah, I just don't anticipate them being very good this year. Yeah. Um, through 92 pitches, had 12 swing strikes. Hmm. feels like a lot might not be but feels like a lot of swinging strikes probably some adjustments coming i i imagine there are i just don't know how you fucking adjust against this guy um i i, I basically watched all all of that start and yeah. presumably he will start against the jays at some point in, in the series here Sunday night baseball is fun, isn't it? it I it's a it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Especially you get yeah. like I, an interesting story out there. Yeah, yeah. I like primetime baseball when it's just one game. Yep. Just focus on one game, one time slot. All the other teams are you know in the books. Yep, their games are done, and it's just two teams. And like you said, you can really the the announcers can really sink their teeth into the storylines and and really tell some stories. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say he like. The stuff he throws is insane. It's just it, it he will throw a hundred and one mile an hour fastball and then a curveball at seventy six and a slider at ninety two. He is he is going left and right and up. Well you can't go up, but and down. Um and then he's got the like real, real, real hard gas to go with it. So I agree with you. His arm is not going to hold up. You cannot do that long term. It's too much torque on the UCL. Yeah. Um, pitching is a violent thing in general, and you add that much different shit into it, and it's probably not going to work long term. But, man, while he's out there, that's, yeah, what a what a great guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine how big he is back home in Japan, right? You got to think, right? People don't realize just how baseball crazy Japan and, to a lesser extent, South Korea. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just such a baseball hungry market, right? Yeah. Um I will I've I've not talked about this, but uh cuz I was just joking about it with the wife before this, but now that there are new stay-at-home orders in Ontario, just before we started today, I came and just started looking up like places to stay in Dunedin. Like, could I just mm-hmm. fly down to Dunedin for the month? Like, how much would that cost me? Is it gonna be three grand? Mm-hmm. I spent three thousand dollars to just like go watch baseball and drink and just work from the hotel during the day. Is that worth it? It might be worth it. So. I'm not actually doing that, but I'm definitely considering it. Sounds like a good time, man. I'd like to spend any amount of time in Florida right now. Like it's finally starting to, you know, show some spring around here and we're getting a little bit of sun and the snow's melting and all that, but boy, doesn't beat Florida weather. Last time I was last time I was in Florida, I was too young to appreciate the sunshine. I have like, never I was y- ever been. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, you got to get there. Like when I was a kid, I hated it when it was too hot, and I'd be the first one to complain when it was too hot. But now that I'm older, like I realize that we don't get near enough of that weather, so yeah. I would never complain about it ever again. Yeah. Best believe the next time I'm in Florida and California still is on my bucket list. I need to get there just to experience the weather. Yeah, that all sounds fair to me. Yeah, I'm. It sounds really boring and very caucasian of me but the older i get the more i just want to chill in the sun man yeah well i mean why would you not want that 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 sounds totally reasonable to me grew up grew up around here loving the winters because hockey was my main sport but you know as soon as i grew up and wasn't playing hockey as much i just i don't have any time to be cold anymore Mm. yeah uh, all right. Anything you think we missed that we didn't get to touch on? Um, I mentioned the Dodgers. Uh, I have a Kenley Jansen take. Pardon me. I have a folder of takes on my desktop, and a lot of them <laughs> haven't been aging that well over the past month. But uh, here's a quick one. Shout out to Shelby Miller. Uh, he's with the Cubs. I don't know if he ended up making the rotation or not. I'll have to check into that. Um, it was this time last year that I was shouting out the Texas Rangers for bringing Shelby Miller in, and that didn't work out so hot. Um, but yeah, Kelly Jansen, the Dodgers, uh, quick take about that. It's sounding like it's still Kenley Jansen's job to lose, according to Dave Roberts. Um, but with how shaky Jansen looked down the stretch in their World Series run, yeah, you have to wonder... I mean, is he going to be able to keep that job all year? I, I just, I'm not sure that's going to happen, especially with a guy like Julio Urias uh, waiting in the wings, whether they want to use him as a starter or a closer, and they haven't really figured that out yet. Starter for now, but stay tuned on that. Anyway, I just, you know, I think that's a story that needs monitoring is Kenley Jansen's 2021, whether he can keep that closing job or not. Because, I mean, let's be frank, we talked about it already a little the Dodgers are firmly in win now mode and there's no fan favorite that's going to get in the way of that. Yeah. What else you got? Oh, um, we got, we got time. We got like 20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've mentioned how 
Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem were among the UFC's most recent cuts. I'm starting to wonder if either will resurface in Bellator. Uh, I'm wondering about that all the more because it sounds like we're going to get a Yoel Romero. Um, uh, what's his name? Rumble Johnson. So it sounds like we're going to get a Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero fight in Bellator, even if it's just a one-off. Would you like to see Dos Santos and Overeem in Bellator? No. I I, I think Overeem should, but I think Dos Santos is finished. So I would like to see Bellator, and I understand this is not what they've been doing, but what I would like to see Bellator do is basically be a young guys only league. Mm, yeah. Of you, instead of the husbands, yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to get to UFC, you have to go through Bellator. Yeah. What they've done instead is like, hey, we've got these guys who were in UFC and will never make it back. And so if you're if I'm trying to convince my wife to watch Bellator with me, I think I have a much easier sell saying Watch this. We're going to see guys that you're going to see in UFC in six weeks or six months, two years, yep. whatever. Right? We're going Talents to see on the rise. guys first here. Yeah. Yeah. Ascenders. Yeah. Um, I, rather than the Chuck Rather Liddell's. than being like, hey, come watch Bellator <laughs> with me. That guy who just stood in the middle of the ring against Adesanya is on tonight. Yeah, yeah. Remember that guy that you saw get his lights shut off two years ago? Right. You remember? But he's that had them shut off six times yeah. since. Yeah. And now he's gonna try for a seventh tonight. You remember Would that you like Santos six... guy I was telling you about? How he like he really <laughs> needs to retire? Well, he didn't. He's on tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's fighting in a cage tonight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it's funny because Scott Coker has come out pretty much a million times and said what you just said. Like we don't want to be known as. You know the UFC has been league, and or you know he keeps saying, "Oh, we're not," because he came out right away. Anytime a UFC guy of any name value is released, Scott Coger's first question that he's asked is, "Are you going to sign enter name here?" And when Yoel Romero is released, they asked him that, and he at the time said no. And of course, it's since turned out that he either lied to us or changed his mind or got you all at a really good business price i don't know I, I would imagine it's the last one yeah i i would guess too um but i guess you know i like to think about you know what would i do as dana white scott coker's got a pretty tough job as well uh because at some point he's gonna have to you know draw a line in the sand and really decide you know this can't be a name by name basis thing either we're gonna go after these guys or we're just going to be, you know, the up and comers. And what, what I think they have the best chance with would be to say, we're going to sign you guys to three fight deals. Yep. Right. Don't try to lock guys up for five years. Yeah. Or even just one off fights or even one offs. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if they're going to, if, if, Triller or whatever his name is is gonna go do Askren Paul, then you know we're gonna do, we're gonna do a freak fight, but it's gonna be a one off, right? Yeah, and just just do those, man. Just like keep doing those, and then 
you're gonna build it up so that people will see when when somebody goes and looks at Kevin Holland's Wikipedia page, they're gonna notice, oh, look at all these Bellator fights. Yeah. Right. If I'm really into this sport, I if I really want to know about these guys, I gotta watch Bellator. Yeah. I don't exactly. I don't exactly. feel like you need to do that right now. Because no, I agree. Bellator's a bunch of has-beens and won't be. Yeah. I get excited about a fighter that I haven't heard of when I go to his Wikipedia page and I see that he had wins in Bellator and now he's winning in the UFC. When I see, oh, he's in Bellator winning now, but he used to be in the UFC winning, that's when I get bummed out. Yep, absolutely. Um, Something I didn't talk about, but I did, well, I haven't talked about on air, but I messaged you guys about earlier this week. Can we talk about the Houston Astros? Those fucking assholes. Now that speaking of the Angels, I, I thought that was a good move by their fans the other night. That uh, garbage can thing. Oh man! So listen. First off, shout out to the Oakland A's. Slow clap for the A's. Um, when introducing their team, playing Carrie Underwood's "Before He Cheats" uh, wow. as the background for that, I thought was a good start to what should be a league-wide competition this year on who control these cheating bastards the best. Um, This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for these organizations to show the rest of the world how fun they really are. Um, And and Oakland started us off on the right foot, I thought. Like you said, the Angels fans close behind. Really good signs, I thought. And the inflatable garbage can, um, which led to the immortal picture of it being thrown on the field beside a picture of a sign that said, know the signs. Um, just perfect. Like one of the great things that have ever happened in, in sports photography. But for Dusty Baker, the head, the, the manager slash head coach of the uh, Houston Astros, to come out and say, we paid the price we paid the price. We need to move on. We paid the price. I will ask you, understanding that you already know what I'll ask because I asked it in capital letters in our, our group chat the other day, what price? No players suffered any consequences. It was part of the agreement of the investigation that no players were punished in any way, shape, or form. So there was no price for the players. None. The organization did not forfeit the title. And when Dusty talks about we, he sure as hell not talking about himself because the people who did suffer were the previous manager and the previous GM. Uh, Those two guys, as best I can tell, have both landed on their feet nicely. So who, what price are you talking about, Dusty? There were no repercussions. There were two people. There were scapegoats. There were scapegoats. But there was not a price. There was not a punishment. There were two scapegoats. And a bunch of players that got off scot-free. So you bet your ass we're coming after you this year. And when I say we, I'm not talking about the league. I'm not talking about the umps. I would even say I think it would be irresponsible for every team to throw at you. I think Joe Kelly did the job last year, and we don't need to keep that shit up. But we've got 29 other ballparks. 
and 29 other fan bases that are about to have their turn with you. And God damn it, you deserve it. Yeah, I mean, this uh, should have taken place last year, right? Yep. That was the one good thing for COVID uh, that came about for the Astros was they didn't have to face all the boos and all the signs and all the ridicule and et cetera, et cetera, right? I'd like to see them get plunked as much as they can this year. In fact, that was a hot topic this time last year was our over-under, how many times are the Astros going to get thrown at? Um, It sounds like since George Springer signed with the Blue Jays, him and Ross Stripling have mended fences. Of course, Stripling was with the Dodgers when Springer was with the cheating Astros. Uh, as far as Dusty Baker goes, I mean, he's obviously confused. Uh, I'm not sure a man of his age should still be managing uh, a pro baseball team, let alone still involved in the game. <laughs> Paging Tony Larusa. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, I, I said it in the group chat, just wait till the White Sox have a bad run of games. Just wait until some of the sound that comes out of the south side of Chicago when it comes to La Russa, because it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, he had already had a penchant for viral videos back when he was with the Cardinals, but just wait until things start going south in the south side of Chicago. I can't wait for that. You want to um, talk but about? Sorry, go ahead. But back to Dusty, I just like it doesn't make what he's doesn't make sense what he's saying because the whole reason he cut his job was because one of the guys that was punished, right? So, I mean, if anyone made out well, it was Dusty Baker. Yeah. Yeah, Dusty's reaped the rewards. Yep. And hopefully Dusty's not an idiot. Hopefully Dusty realizes that he was brought on because it was a ready-made package, right? Like he was freshly out of work, still wanted to work. They had a win-now team. He was a win-now manager. It, you know, it made sense on paper, right? And he didn't get the win now that he thought he was. I, no, I, no, I mean, yes. I think he thought like, yeah, there's probably two years left here and I'll come in and I'll, you know, grab one of those rings on while they're on the way at the door. And it's not, you're not going to Dusty. No. He hasn't won anything since Barry Bonds last play for the Giants. Yeah. Um, it, Speaking of hilarious Antonio La Russa, listening to the Sunday night baseball crew. Oh, he speaks Spanish. He's a lawyer. Yeah. This is great. How great's this guy? I'm like, I don't know, but he's like 85, and that's going to yeah. be weird. It's going to get real weird real fast. Yep. And as my late uncle and grandfather always like to say, if you talk to Tony LaRusso for more than 15 minutes, he will remind you five times that he invented the game of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of ego you're dealing with. In fact, you can go up and look. I mean, this guy's been arrested for DUI more times than you can even count. I know. He's a lawyer and, who happens to have a bunch of exactly, DUIs. Exactly, right? And none of which stop him from getting MLB jobs, uh, by the way. Um, but in his most viral of DUIs, back when he was with the Cardinals, um, right in the booking room, he says it about five times, you know, I'm a big baseball person and Look at this ring. And, and you know, so I mean, yeah. they say the truth comes out when you're drunk. Well, it certainly does for one Anthony LaRusa. Uh, and, you know, maybe we can get uh, Tony Rasmus, Col Colby Rasmus's father on the show some night. He'll tell you all. He'll tell you about his son's experience with Tony LaRusa and how he ruined him in, in the St. Louis days. Uh, that's always a story I've wanted to get. Um, 
But yeah, as far as the Dusty thing goes, as far as the Houston thing goes, you know, I think they're they're in for a gut check this year. I think outside of Alex Bregman, they're in some trouble. Springer's out the door. They better hope for a bounce back here to Correa. They need their pitching to stay healthy. I know that. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be smooth sailing for Houston anymore. Altuve is not the player he used to be. I wonder why that is. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, we got about six minutes. What do you got left? Uh, I had mentioned Jerron Reed being released by Seattle because they couldn't come to an agreement on money. Uh, since I brought that up on the show, everyone's favorite Super Bowl favorite Kansas City Chiefs have scooped up the former Alabama defensive tackle. The rich get richer, one-year, seven-mil contract, reunites him with Frank Clark, who he dominated beside in Seattle, puts him beside Chris Jones, maybe the second-best defensive tackle outside of Aaron Donald. Uh, Yeah, the rich get richer. I mean, this is a major upgrade uh, for the Chiefs. And, yeah, wow, what a deal. Uh, It's hard to believe the rest of the league would just sit back and allow that to happen, but... Nevertheless, they did. Um, so I can cross that one off my list. Uh, what do you think the future holds for Stipe? Because he's been awful quiet since that loss. Do you think he's going to retire or do you think he's going to demand the Naganu trilogy in like six months from now? Yeah, I mean, he's going to need some serious recovery time. Yep. Um, Anyone who takes those shots from Naganu, yes. And yeah, I mean that's all there is to it, right? So, but I think we can agree Stipe looked old in this last fight. Like he finally started to look his age. I don't know if he looked old. He he had a bad plan. Um uh, Yeah. I mean like I don't want to I don't want to be dismissive of the idea of him looking old cuz it's like he took a shot and then he was out. Like it's, you know, he he didn't I just seem thought he looked a step slow. Yeah. And the weight was an issue. Like, you know, he well, was too light. Francis that's the thing. was... I don't know why he, wasn't he came gonna... in so light. He needed... Yeah. I, I think he thought he could, like, agility his way out of this situation. Yeah. And he well, just did it. That was the weight he was coming in against DC for all those fights. And I think he liked it, got used to it. Yeah. Uh, but you need to... I think he needs to be a little heavier against Francis, uh, just for the wrestling. So if, I, if I'm Stipe... Is it worth it to risk a third fight? Especially if we're talking about John Jones and Lewis and like, okay, let's say Nagano goes through both those guys and then you're the only fight left at that point. So if you're Stipe, I I mean, actually what I think probably happens is they want to make Jones Nagano and then they make Lewis go through Stipe to get to whoever wins. Um, I would initially agree with you, but it sounds like John Jones is positioning slash negotiating himself out of the Nagano fight. So I think they're just going to do Lewis Nagano. Yeah, can you edu- and and if you can't, just say so. But like, can you educate? Because my understanding is you sign a fucking contract, mm-hmm. and they say we will pay you this much for this many fights. So is John Jones just saying I'm not going to honor my contract? Fuck you! I signed that saying I'll take this much money, but now I want more. I think when you're either the champ or, in John's case, the champ who decided to inexplicably hand his belt back, 
Um, I think even though you have like what's called like a three fight deal, I think it's still negotiated on a fight per fight basis because it would depend on who you're fighting. Like say if you're fighting Connor, okay, you're going to make more money and then it's, but you don't make your pay-per-view money until the back end once the numbers are figured out, right? Like once we know how many buys well, we they did, don't, et cetera, they, et cetera. So my understanding is they don't, UFC doesn't see any pay-per-view money anymore. The ESPN gave them, gives them a number and that's whatever they're paying a year. It's like ESPN takes all the money from the pay-per-views now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but that means UFC has a locked in, you know, $20 million yeah. a show or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, that's absolutely. before the gate. They still get the gate. Yeah. Um, and they still yeah, get the why. site fee. That's why all these fights are in Vegas is because there's always a casino in Vegas. That's going to be like, Hey, come, come fight here. Cause we, we want to sell it our room and have all the tables full. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also why Dane is so eager to, uh, like these next Put couple of building. One, yeah. Yeah. These next couple ones are in Florida and Texas. Jacksonville, you know, first, Houston. Yeah. Yeah. The first States to allow fans back in. 250 US dollars if you want to get in the building. Yeah, exactly. In Jacksonville. Um but the thing about John Jones is it sounds like he did, he's not interested in fighting Francis for 8 million dollars. Now, as Dana White says, if you want the fight, you want the fight, you know? If you're going to be bitching about money, then I guess you don't want the fight. Now, I I don't know if it was a uh real tweet or not, but I I guess there was a tweet saying like John Jones uh you know wants the fight for um this date or whatever um and uh and but it was you know he he wants he said 10 to 12 won't do it he needs 20 or something to that extent um and and lewis tweeted shit i'll do it for eight yeah yeah exactly like right. yeah dana said you know lewis will take that fight right after now yeah yeah no if stands or buts and the thing about Lewis is when him and Francis fought, he beat Francis. Yeah. So he's got a pre and he's beat every other contender. So he, you know, if, if I'm Derek Lewis, that's my fight. Right. I, I think, I think Derek Lewis deserves it. Yeah. And if John Jones is going to be so idiotic and not present in the moment to get out of his own way and realize that, he needs that fight uh then it should be lewis's game well and i guess the the question for me then becomes if this is if this is really like the situation um at, at what point do guys just like say okay well like fuck john jones like we just don't need to give him anything let him rot on the vine he can't no, go no. to Bellator. He's like, yep, right. We exactly. saw exclusive rights. So that's that's exactly okay. it. When when John Jones last week was tweeting, "Release me." Yeah, it's like why uh, would, why would you do that? Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, Chael Sonnen had a good point. He said, you know, like even if John was to go to Scott Coker, Scott Coker would be the first one to tell John, like, stay where you are. We can't pay you that. Yeah. The only chance you have to make that is exactly where you are. And the other thing that John doesn't understand is the second that he gave that belt back, he lost all his leverage. Yeah. Like you said, Dana can just let leave him out in the wind to rot now. Yep. Whereas when he had the belt, you know, Dana had to appease him and so and so and he owed him this and he owed him that. But now it's just John's given away all his leverage. Yeah. 
Oh, well. Um, yeah, see how it goes. If anyone wants some entertainment, uh, go over to John Jones's Twitter feed and then compare it to Chael Sonnen's Twitter feed because they were basically tweeting at each other last week without, without actually tag yeah without tagging each other yeah um and yeah some pretty good retorts by Chael Sonnen to John because the thing about John Jones is he can't stay he fought Chael twice he can't stand Chael and you can tell that John Jones spends a lot of his time consuming Chael's YouTube content right because anytime Chael has anything negative to say about john john immediately takes to twitter and takes it very personal right um but yeah i just it's it's not exactly a a meeting of two equal minds oh well all right we are super out of time yep. uh any parting shots before we go here uh oh geez um can't wait for the draft uh like i said at the start of the show it sucks that zach wilson is just going to be darnold all over again uh as a jets fan it just feels like i'm in the twilight zone never ends full always on repeat uh i have no doubt that next week we will go around in circles again on different draft possibilities and i couldn't look more forward to it but until then my name is Charles. He is Nick Smart. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.